Were you asked, what is the greatest chapter of the greatest book with the greatest theme and the greatest joy, how would you respond? What is the greatest book? That should be an easy one for Christians. The Word of God, the Bible. The greatest chapter of the greatest book with the greatest theme and the greatest joy. Well, Brian just did a wonderful Lord's Supper meditation on Ephesians chapter 2. That's certainly one of a number of great chapters that can be brought out. After all, there's 1,189 of them in the Bible, chapters in our English versions. But if you think about the greatest book and the greatest chapter with the greatest theme, the salvation of man to the glory of God through Christ Jesus our Lord, and the greatest joy, I suspect I would choose what a number of you chose as the best love chapter when I ask you recently, What is your favorite Bible chapter? Romans chapter 8. It would be hard to beat it because of its comprehensiveness. And really what the passage, the chapter is all about in 39 verses is this. May the Father be praised because the power of sin has been broken And we are more than conquerors through Jesus and His indwelling Spirit. That's what Romans 8 is about. Therefore, it really seems to fit the great theme and the great joy that the power of sin has been broken and we're more than conquerors through Jesus and His indwelling Spirit. That's the best news ever. You are not going to hear better news than that. Are you going to hear better political news than that? Not if you've been watching TV much lately. You're not going to hear better political news, period, than that. How about national news? It's not going to measure up to that news. How about international news? How about financial news? When you look at Romans 8, it is the best news ever. But here's some interesting things to notice about Romans 8 before we survey the 39 verses of the chapter together. You will not find the word joy or rejoice in this chapter even though it deals with the greatest joy known to mankind. You will not find joy or rejoicing uh, mentioned specifically in the chapter. It's not there. It's not to say we don't have it. It's just not specifically mentioned. Secondly, you will not find the word faith, belief, or trust in Romans chapter 8. That's striking. In a book that deals so much with faith and belief and trust, I'm not saying it's not there. 
I am simply saying that it is not specifically referred to in Romans chapter 8. I believe it's there just like I believe joy and rejoicing are there. Further, you will not find a single imperative or command. Some of us have read Romans 8 for a long time. And maybe you've never noticed that. There's not a single explicit command or imperative made. Now that doesn't mean that the content of Romans 8 doesn't involve responding to God. It certainly does. As a matter of fact... In the first 17 verses alone, God is referred to approximately 35 times. The Father is referred to at least 11 or 12 times. The Son is referred to at least 9 or 10 times. The Spirit is referred to in the opening 17 verses of Romans 8. The Spirit is referred to at least a dozen times. Count it up between 32 and 35 times. Just in 17 verses. Do you think that God is making a point in this great chapter about the great news and the great joy we should have in Him? All glory to the Father because the power of sin has been broken and we've been made more than conquerors through Jesus and His cross, and through the indwelling of the Spirit. When you look at Romans 7, a key term is the term law found over and over in Romans 7. When you get to Romans 8, a key term is Spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit and life given through the Spirit. What I'd like to do now, and it'll be a lot of fun, but you're going to need your Bible to be open. Many of you, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the back of the pews. Many of you use digital copies. That's great. Let's just go through Romans 8 together. And let me let it unfold. And what we will have after this lesson, the kind of overview surveys the whole chapter, There will be seven more lessons, seven more lessons, Lord willing, on Romans chapter 8. A number of you, as a matter of fact, when I asked for best love chapters, this is the one that came in, number one. So let's look at the chapter. It divides into three basic sections, Romans 8 does. 1 through 17 is the first section. If you're taking notes or writing things in your Bible, whatever, here's the word to remember. Life. L-I-F-E. Life. 1 through 17. Tell us about the life which is ours in Christ. In the Spirit. Look, if you will, at Romans chapter 8, 1 through 4.
Romans 7 sort of ends with, O wretched man that I am. And Romans 8 begins with, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. That is a contrast. No condemnation to them that are in Christ. There's no condemnation. Remember this from verses 1 through 4. In Christ, there is no condemnation, and we walk according to the Spirit. You got it? There's life. In Christ, there's no condemnation, and we walk according to the Spirit. There's life in Christ. Praise God for Jesus and His gospel. Now look at Romans 8, verses 5 through 8. There's two ways of living and two results. There is life in the flesh and there is life in the spirit. It sounds very much like Galatians 5, 19 through 23. The works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Verses 5 through 8 exhort us to walk in the spirit and know life. But if we walk in the flesh, the result will be death. There's no life in that. No eternal life. Look at verses 9 through 11 of Romans chapter 8. Verses 9 through 11. And in these verses, the Apostle Paul through the Holy Spirit says, People who are in Christ and have the Spirit in them, have life. That summarizes verses 9 through 11. People that are in Christ and have the Spirit within them, have life. Twelve and thirteen. People who are Christians ought to live in appropriate response to the life giver. People who are Christians ought to live with appropriate response to the life giver. Now when you think about this section, it's dealing with the fact that Jesus and the cross and the gift of the indwelling spirit This gives us life, and the power of sin has been broken. But let me ask you, don't Christians still sin? And sometimes is a Christian really that concerned about producing the fruit of the Spirit as the Spirit lives within us? Well, no. But the point is, the power of sin has been broken. But while we live here, we will not have the presence of sin destroyed. But that day's coming. The power of sin is broken. And God assures us 
a day comes when the presence of sin will be broken too. What a chapter. What a chapter. Now look at verses 14 through 17. And we'll bring this first section to a close. And what a fascinating, beautiful, marvelous scripture this is. As we look at Romans 8 and look at verses 14 through 17... Life, life as God's sons and daughters and heirs. He's writing to a group of people, Christians from a Jewish background and a Gentile background, but you're sons and daughters of God, heirs. You are special to God. When you have life in Christ and the Spirit of God indwells us, there is no chapter anywhere in the New Testament that focuses more on the Trinity and the Godhead, that term we use as well, for Father, Son, and the Spirit, and what has been done by God for our salvation so that the power of sin could be broken And we could be more than conquerors. This is a great chapter. No doubt about it. That's just the first part. Y'all ready for the second part? Verses 18 through 30. Glory. Glory. If 1 through 17 dealt with light, 18 through 30 deal with glory. How do you know that? I'll be glad to tell you. Notice the repetition of the words and it makes a sandwich with a lot of good meat. The repetition of the word, see glory in verse 18. I do not count the sufferings of this present time worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. Look at verse 30. Those that he justified, he glorified. We got a glory sandwich, and so there's really good, there's the two slices of bread, there's some great meat. Now, we are living here in this world in the presence of sin. We may believe that the power of sin is broken by Jesus and the cross and by being in Christ where there's no condemnation, by walking according to the Spirit, but it's still hard, it's still difficult. Notice verses 18 through 21. How do we live in the here and now? Things are not what they ought to be in this old world. And verses 18 through 21 tell us as Christians the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory. That awaits. We believe like we sing. Glory is waiting, waiting up yonder. Remember that song? We believe that. You do? I'm glad. Look at verses 22 through 25. Christians believe that we have a glorious and patient 
hope. That's verses 22 through 25 of Romans 8. We have a glorious, patient hope. Sometimes you're talking about something that is glorious and our hope saves Romans 8, 24 and 25, but we have to wait with bated breath for the time that comes. There's not any more chap there's not a chapter anywhere in the Bible that's more motivating than Romans 8. I don't believe there is, Brother Bill. In the terminology is everyone is groaning and waiting, even the world itself. But as the people of God, we can have a saving hope that patiently waits for God to fulfill His promises. He cannot lie. Hebrews 6, 18 and 19. Titus 1 and verse 2. I got to tell you, they were asking me over at Bear Valley, man, Mike, how do, you, how do you teach with this kind of intensity and fervor? And it's a roller coaster ride when I'm there. And do chapel. And, and are you preaching when you get back? I am so excited to get back. I told them. They said, well, why in the world? You ought to be hit the wall. I said, wait till Sunday night or Monday morning. I'm talking about Roman eight, Romans chapter 8 on Sunday morning and Sunday night. I'm so excited. Look at verses 26 and 27. There is the glory of knowing that the Holy Spirit helps us and intercedes for us in our prayers. While we're here, while we're still in the presence of sin, there is the glory of knowing that the Holy Spirit helps us and intercedes for us in our sins. Isn't that great? Glory it is. We are not alone. We do not believe in the God of deism that he just leaves us here and doesn't care. Now look at verses 28 through 30. Glory it is. While we are here, we believe in the special providence of God. Verse 28. We know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. We believe in the special providence of God. We can't explain it, but we can be thankful for it. God provides and cares for His own. But don't let verses 29 and 30 escape you. In God's providence, He wants us to conform more and more to the image of His Son. That's glory. To be able to conform more to the image of Jesus Christ is glorious. And then notice this in 29 and 30. It is glory to contemplate the infinite mind of God. And in 29 and 30, you have this sweeping view of salvation from foreknowledge to glorification. From salvation begun to salvation consummated. 
Oh, the great mind of God in saving men through Jesus. One through 17, what was the concept to remember of Romans 8? Life. 18 through 30, what is the concept to remember? Glory. Now we come to 31 through 39. The concept to remember is assurance. You'll never find a more assuring chapter than Romans 8. Some may vie for that position, but it won't be more assuring than Romans 8. And in Romans chapter 8, Paul asks seven questions. He takes the life and glory that are found in Christianity because of the death of Jesus and the Spirit indwelling us and the great promises of God and he wraps it all up and just says, let me ask you a few questions. Verse 31, question number one, what shall we say to these things? What shall we say to the life and glory that are in Jesus? No condemnation in Christ. For those who are in Christ, all we can do is praise. It's the only appropriate response. There are no words But we fall down in praise. Verse 31 contains a second question. If God be for us, who can be against us? No one can successfully stand against God's people because God is for them. No one. Doesn't mean people don't try. But no one can successfully stand against God and His people. Verse 32. Incidentally, to the best of my recall, this is the only time the word grace or graciously occurs in Romans 8. Throughout the book of Romans, it is so common... But when we get to Romans chapter 8, he's saying so much about God and how God has made salvation possible. Father, Son, and Spirit all involved in breaking the power of sin and making us more than conquerors. But in verse 32 he asks, and it's a greater to lesser argument. If God did not spare His own Son... Should we not be confident that He would give us all things graciously with Him? Brother Steve, Brother Steve Taylor, if God gave us Jesus, don't you think He'll give us the lesser things if He gave us the greater? Oh, what this says about our attitudes and outlooks, our priorities... 34, 
Who will bring a charge against God's elect? The devil? Slanderers? Maybe our own conscience? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? And the whole point is, no charge can successfully stand when God justifies. Who is he that condemns? See in the context. Who is he that condemns? Because of Jesus and his death... And because of where he is right now, no one can condemn when God says saved, delivered. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And you know what the the implied answer is? No one. No one can separate us from the love of Christ. As long as we want to be in the salvation found in Him, know no condemnation and walk according to the Spirit of life. But he doesn't stop there. Here's the seventh question. A seventh question consisting of seven words. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Here is a thoughtful man of God thinking of some of the most hideous possible responses. And his answer is no. Emphatically no! Because in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Now listen. There may well be people here this morning that are not Christians, that are not part of the body of Christ, the church of Jesus. I want you to know as kindly as I can say that if you are not in Christ Jesus, you are condemned. You're not where life is found. You're dead. And friend, if you're not in Christ Jesus, like verses 18 through 30 talk about, glory does not await you. And if you're not in Christ, you don't have the assurance that Paul talked about in Romans 8, 31 through 39. Friend, won't you consider this? 
Because Jesus left heaven and came to earth so that you could be with Him and the Father and the Spirit and with the saved of all the ages eternally. And for those of us that are Christians, catch this. Look at the beginning of this chapter. No condemnation. Isn't that glorious to think about and beautiful? There was a time when we were lost and stained by sin, but in Christ there is the realm of salvation. A standing of salvation. Now go down to verse 28, and I want you to think about this. No condemnation. Romans 8, 28. Life can be complex sometimes, can it? Life can be hard. But when we think about life and glory and assurance from God, everything pales in comparison. No complications. Put it by Romans 8. We know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. If life and glory and assurance are in our God, there's nothing to really get all upset about. Nothing's too complex for our God. Anything too hard for the Lord? Genesis 18, 24 and 25. And then finally, look at Romans 8, 37 through 39. No separation. What blessings can be ours as Christians? There is not a chapter to be found anywhere that is more assuring about the life and glory that's to come. And that ought to give us a great sense of assurance to hold on to God's unchanging hand. For those that are not Christians through faith, repentance, and baptism, come to Him this very hour and have your sins washed away by the grace of God, the blood of Jesus. And for those of us who are Christians, let's live Romans 8. It's one thing to say it's our favorite chapter. It's another thing to live its glorious truths. Let us stand and sing.